Yeah, have you got a wee intro? Organized? Yeah, yeah, I do. Um, yeah, I've got a bit of wank. Um. <laughs> a lovely bit of wank. Hello and welcome to episode 10 of the Scratchcast, the alternative pop culture podcast. I'm Sneds, he's Grant. Hello. And we're just two normal blokes who like to pretend we know shit about music. <laughs> um, how have you been since the last podcast, Grant? I've been very well, mate. How have you been keeping yourself? Pretty good, pretty good. Was um, I watched a bit of 2000 Screens, which is... Um, like the online version of 2000 Trees Festival, which is like an alternative music festival. So that was pretty good. Good. Um, it was like sets from Jamie Lemon, them Black Futures. Um, and there was a pretty cool, you heard of the band False Advertising? I don't think so. so actually, I think no. they, they were actually at the, um, you know, the Jamie Lemon gig that we went to. Um, I think they would play before you turned up. All right, okay. So, like, uh, the lead singer of False Advertising, Jen, did, like, a stripped-back piano set of covers of, of Ruben songs from their first album. All right. So, good. I mean, that is obviously one of my favourite albums of all time, so that was a good, a pretty good set. Um, and there were some pretty, pretty cool bands. Um, there's a band called St Agnes, who've got a really cool track called Brother. Um, there's a, a band called Nova Twins who are like um, like a, they're a three piece where there's two twins um, fronting it and there's like a, a, a drummer in the background so they, they're they pretty sort of distorted bass heavy band they're pretty cool and a weird band called Strange Bones who like they, they're a four piece with like sort of bits of dance and techno influences. They're sort of a heavy rock band with that sort of kind of those aspects to their sound. So that was um, pretty cool. That sounds quite interesting. Worth, worth um, I think all, like, all of this stuff is still on like their Facebook and, and that, so it's worth going back and looking at. I mean, the Black Future set is, is awesome. Like, anything I've watched of them performing live is is always really impressive and there's just two of them as well so do they go like full on kitted out in their kind of boiler suits yeah 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 and i think in this one they were wearing like full-on masks and stuff as well so they must have been absolutely melting (laughs) but um yeah definitely worth uh worth checking out yeah Um, but uh yeah i just thought it was worth mentioning um so, we've reached our 10th episode milestone, um, and to celebrate that, we're going to introduce a new feature that, for the moment, I'm calling Submission Corner, where um, Grant and myself put each other in headlocks, and the last one to pass out wins. <laughs> of course not. Uh, what's actually happening is that, on each episode, we all review one or two singles or albums or EPs that we've been sent directly from 
from bands or artists. Um, so be a good way for us to hear some some cool music and and sort of you know get get the word out about some burgeoning acts or local acts. So if you are a band or a member of a band um, and you think you've got something that we'll be interested in hearing, then please send your submissions to thehedscratcher at outlook.com or you can just go to the website and submit it through the contact page there or just direct message us on Facebook or Instagram. Um, Plenty of ways to get in touch. Um, What other exciting stuff have we got on the episode? We are reviewing singles from Peter Bibby's Dog Act. um, Still fun to see. Still so fun to see. see. And, uh, and Squid. Um, we're also covering the latest albums from Mrs. Piss, possibly the best band name ever, um, LYR, and Foxjaw, and the new EP from Dits. So, um, we'll just get started with the, the single swap then. Yeah. Do you want me to start, mate? Sure. Yeah. Go for it. Cool. So, as Sneds was saying there, uh, the last time that we did the podcast, he gave me Peter Bibby and his backing band Dog Axe new single Oceans to review. So, that was released on the 8th of May 2020. It's approximately four minutes and eight set- seconds long. It was the first of two singles that have been released by Peter Bibby's Dog Act from their upcoming album Marge, which is due to be released on the 18th of September later on this year. Um, from their label Spinning Top Records. The second single, Wayala. I'm not too sure if you're if I can I'm pronouncing that properly. But that was released on the, the tenth of this month and it's the artist's first new material since the release of their two thousand eighteen album, Grand Champion. To be honest, I hadn't heard of Peter Bibby before until you recommended Oceans to me. Um, so I thought I'd better do a little bit of research into him. I knew that he was somewhat of a kind of cult figure or had a cult following as an alternative artist over in Australia, from what you were telling me last time, Sneds. Um, but I came across various different articles, such as the one from www.unfashionablemail.co.uk by a person, I don't know if it's a male or a female, <laughs> Emir Pa, um, who described him as a prankster, and an Andy Kaufman-like figure, which is obviously quite a bold statement. If, it's a pretty bold statement, yeah. You know, because if you know anything of... Uh, Andy Kaufman, you know, that's a, a character that was on all the time. You know, it was just off off the wall constantly. Um, however, none of the articles that I really read about him really provided much context for this. So I decided to watch a few interviews with him online, mostly on YouTube, uh, in particular the ones from AU Review, Music Feeds, and another one entitled Parking Down with Peter Bibby, all of which seemed to follow his appearance at the Laneway Music Festival five years ago, back in 2015, which, as far as I'm aware, is an Australian musical festival which takes place at various different places all over Australia. So there'll be, say, in Melbourne one year, sorry, one month, and then it moves to, like, Sydney the next and just kind of works its way around the country from what I've read. I could be wrong in that, though. I'm not 100% sure. Um and although I wouldn't go as far as to say that he reminded me of Andy Kaufman, he's definitely an interesting, intriguing guy. Um, and I would have said, like, an overall fucking dude, as I have described <laughs> him here. Um, he's, just, he's just really cool, um, really likable character. 
uh, in the last interview that I mentioned, that kind of parking down with Peter Bibby, he speaks about where his influences have come, come from. So in particular, he talks about his interest in wordplay. Okay. You know, putting interest in words together and, you know, ideas um, and how he enjoys reading the likes of Kurt Vonnegut, Charles Bukowski and the likes of Hunter S. Thompson, who wrote um, Feeding Loathe in Las Vegas. Um, and having went back to listen to his back catalogue, you can kind of see that in the likes of uh, the songs such as Cunt, uh, Medicine and Hates My Boozing, all of which are really, really good. And I would recommend anybody to go uh, go and check them out. Um, there's some really brilliant live performances of these available online. In particular, I would recommend RTRFM Perth's View From Here number seven. Um, video. I think it's a, it's a radio station over in Perth, Australia and that features Peter Bibby with a different backing band called The Bottles of Confidence and it includes I think a couple of guys on fiddles and violins um, and it's really, really good. Uh, there's a drummer I think the drummer is a guy from another band called Pond, I want to say um, and I think they were kind of touring buddies for a while, possibly at the Laneway Music Festival, I'm not 100% sure, but really worth checking out. As for the song itself, uh, as I said previously, approximately kind of four minutes and eight minutes long. It's a bit of a long one, but it certainly doesn't feel like that. It doesn't feel feels if it kind of drags on or drags out. Um, the song opens with a kind of stuttering guitar and drum combo. However, this quite quickly falls away around the kind of 17 second mark and gives way to this kind of rhythmic piano. I think it's just somebody playing maybe, I don't know, a few keys <laughs> constantly throughout the rest of the song. And this kind of keeps pace with this kind of vibrato underwater guitar sound, which Peter Bibby has been quoted to say that he used intentionally in order to provide this almost kind of wobbly C6 seasick kind of feel to the song and it, it works really well I mean that, that's kind of the impression I got it does kind of feel like this kind of underwater melody um, and it's basically a song about going mad at the sea um, <laughs> his vocals are undeniably and unforgivably Australian he, he's actually a lot younger than what I thought he was because listening to him sing and in particular he, hearing him sing lyrics like Hand, I'm not going to try and do an Australian accent, so don't worry. Um, hand me that feather under the parrot that it came from and the dead man you took it from, you fucking bastard. I couldn't help but be reminded of the comedian Barry Humphreys and his character Les Patterson. Do you know who I'm talking about? No. You know the guy that <laughs> no, you know did uh, Dame Edna? Yeah. So he, he did another character called no. Les Patterson um, who was a kind of... He dressed like a business, businessman, but he was basically just an Australian slob alcoholic. Um, really, really broad Australian accent, really coarse, um, but really funny. Um, the song kind of fades out around the kind of 2.52, sorry, 2 minutes 52 seconds mark with this kind of raucous vocal refrain with Peter Bibby and a whole host of other folks singing the chorus. I'm obsessed with the middle of the ocean. I'm depressed at the middle of the sea. Um, and you can hear kind of beer bottles clinking about in the background. Um, but yeah, I, I thought it was pretty good. Um, rating, I would probably give it a... I've said a six. That's probably a bit unfair. Probably a seven out of ten. Um, it's all right. I thought it was okay. Um, but I think, to be honest, I much preferred his older stuff. Okay. Um, 
Certainly likes the, the songs that I mentioned, Cunt, Medicine, Hates My Boozing, all that stuff are really, really good. Um, but I think it'll be interesting to see uh, what he comes out with, you know, in, in September. Because I've, I've listened to a wee bit of that other single that I mentioned, and it's quite good as well. <laughs> You've kind of put me to shame because I haven't done, I, I, haven't, I haven't really gone back in his back catalogue or done any particular research on the artist himself i just i just kind of listened to this song and and it you know i recommend it to you because i thought i thought it was a a pretty decent decent track so i don't really have that context for his other music and i haven't listened well yeah i haven't i haven't had a proper chance to listen to that that new single yet either so i'm just really um discussing the single in isolation really and it's just kind of the fact that it, it kind of opens with that. It's got a sort of quite a grungy style riff right at the start. Yeah, definitely. You know, with loads of distortion and sort of squealing guitars and stuff. And then, it, it, like you said, it devolves into that kind of warbling sort of floaty lead guitar lick, um, which is kind of quite sort of fun and jaunty, I suppose, compared to the sort of cacophonous intro. And like you said, it's it's just a song about going mad in the middle of the ocean. And it's got the, the opening line, I'm obsessed with the middle of the ocean. I focused on this motion and the fragility of men. And I just I, I just like the way his singing style is sort of... Um, raucous and gravelly and it's just a, a sort of interesting I like to say it's delivered in quite an Australian way so it's just it's just a weird sort of sound and the way he says certain words are quite interesting but it's yeah part sung, part shouted, part shrieking um, and that's kind of what draws me in so um, and yeah it's just quite a weird track there's I think there's elements of stuff like pixies in there and and oh absolutely somewhat some some of the output of like artists like eels when they when they go a bit rockier that kind of thing so yeah it's got that kind of raucous sing-along section where everyone joins in and i can have thundering drum roll into this the final minute which is just full of screaming and squeals and crashing cymbals and stuff so um yeah it was just a track that um, i thought was pretty decent and had a lot of promise and um, so I'm quite interested to hear the rest of that, that album Marge when it comes out in September mm-hmm. but like you say I think probably a 7 um, for me as well um, I don't think it's amazing but I think it's pretty good so um, definitely worth a listen if, you, if you're saying that his back catalogue's kind of better than this then um, I'm, I'll definitely go and take a look at that Oh yeah, definitely, definitely worth it, man. Well, so that was Oceans by Peter Bibby's Dog Act. Um, I'm able to keep a straight face. I was going to say, I think we've become desensitised, <laughs> almost. We've become immune to it, yeah. <laughs> I think so. Um Okay, so 
let's move on to Broadcaster by Squid. So this is... I haven't done nearly as much research as you did for Peter, Peter Bibby, so um, I know that they're a five-piece from Brighton, yeah, and their song is called Broadcaster, and it came out on the 20th of May this year, and that's about it. Oh, okay. so, <laughs> the I mean, I've seen stuff on online saying they're 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 described as sort of alternative indie band, but I I really think that description I mean does not give you any indication of of what what they sound like at all. I think you gave me a description of someone like the Coronation Street theme tune performed by Maniacs, or I it can't was something like that. that like- said. That was from their Facebook website, if I remember correctly. I don't have it here. It was in in old notes, which I've kind of since deleted. But I think they described themselves as, or their sound sounding like, the Coronation theme tune played by Maniacs or played on Angry Flutes or something. Uh, Yeah, yeah, it might have been something something like that. that, Anyway. And still, for I mean, I don't think that really describes Broadcaster either, to to be honest with you. Um, I don't think there's any flutes in this song. First of all, no. Um, so it's a pretty long track. It's just under six minutes. Yeah. Um, and it opens with a sort of bleeping pattern of electronics, and it's something you might expect to to hear on like when those old like Tomorrow's Future style programs from like the seventies or eighties, where they're they've they've got sort of futuristic computer noises, and they're saying like your fridge will be able to order you um, pizza and and hoover your floor in the year. 2030 you know that that kind of weird old school this sort of thing you get shown well we would have got shown when we were in school um i don't think they show that kind of thing um at school these days because it would be utterly ridiculous um <laughs> but so there's that um and you then come in you get these uh, spoken word vocals come in that are, so say i'm in the tall grass broadcaster speaks to me i'm as small as a bug the lights are so pretty and it's sounds to me all a bit like a some some kind of acid trip or, or a weird sort of science fiction fever dream um and then so around the three minute mark you get some crisp guitar picking that comes in and just adds a bit more depth um to to that sort of bleeping electronic and you get some pitter pattering of drums coming in as well and it's after that kind of continues for a little while it's where the the vocals kind of start to lose me a little where they they get a sort of squealing screeching sort of indie style element to them that i that i that i struggle with um and I mean, it's some of it reminds me of some of the weirder parts of Black Midi as well. There, there's definitely yeah. parallels to be drawn um, with with Black Midi. But so as that kind of squealing, screeching inflections to the vocals comes in, I, you know, I was kind of starting to lose patience with it. But just as I was about to declare myself out, the those vocals sort of tear into a more gravelled shout, and then this this really great rumbling driving bass line and um the drums kind of increase intensity and that 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 sort of just hits at once and that that kind of brought me back in so to speak and um you know that goes on for a short while and then the last 
kind of minute or so just just kind of devolves into a sort of more vacuous sort of soundscape with the odd vocal scream or musical flourish here and there. So it's a long track, um, but there's quite a bit of variety on it. And, you know, like I was saying, I, it kind of almost lost me, but then it, then it pulled me back in just as I was about to get fed up with it. So, um, I think it's, I think it's quite cool. De- definitely different. Um, and again, I think, I think this would be a seven out of 10 for me. To be fair, although I gave you it, <laughs> I gave you it to review, um, I by no means think it's amazing either. Mm. I mean, I, I gave it a rating of six or seven, again, mm. you know, just just with uh, the same as the kind of Peter Bibby um, single there. I think it's good. Uh, like I said, I don't think it's amazing, but I think it's good. And moreover, I think it gives you an idea or insight into what they're capable of. Yeah. Um, and as I said before in the previous podcast, with regards to their kind of 2019 song Houseplants, I find them really interesting. It's kind of piqued my interest in them, um, and I think it'll be interesting to see what they what they have to uh, come out with in the future. Um, yeah, I mean, a, a, an album that has, I mean, an album of all of this, like of this track, like just similar stuff to that, would probably get old really quickly but I imagine they'd perhaps be a bit more like Black Midi in terms of like there being a lot of weirdness on there so I can see a, I can see a full album from these guys being being really quite interesting but yeah the potential to be terrible at the same time but, but I suppose know. it's it's a wee bit like you know, you're kind of drawing comparisons between Squid and Black Midian. I think it's a pretty apt comparison. But remember when we were looking at, we remember when we were reviewing Black Midi's album, to me it almost felt like a, what they could do. You know, I mean, there was elements where, you know, listening to the Black Midi album, um, I can't think of any one song off the top of my head, but you'd be listening to one of the songs and you'd be like, oh, I wish they would just do a wee bit more of that. Like, yeah. I just wish that could continue for a wee bit longer. And I kind of feel like this band or an album from this band would be very much the same, to be honest. Um, but yeah, aye, it'll be interesting what they come out with in the future. Um, I described this song as... <laughs> It's a bit of a mouthful. A sprawling, atmospheric, nightmare-esque prog rock adventure. <laughs> or you could just call it like an acid trip. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that kind of covers it. And it's interesting you kind of mentioned that kind of electronic reverb at the start because I, I've kind of talked about it being this kind of frail-sounding electronic reverb that almost sounds as if something is getting brought to life. Um, yeah. And then the preceding minute or so... I said it was almost reminiscent of something that you might have heard in the likes of the 2000 and film Drive soundtrack. I've not, I've not actually seen Drive or it's, listened to the soundtrack. Um, was that with Ryan Gosling? Yeah, um, it's the most boring actor. Sorry, <laughs> the most boring actor in, in, <laughs> in Hollywood right now. He was fucking huge for a while, though, wasn't I, he? Inexplicably. Inexplicably, I remember seeing them on. Was it the Gangster Squad? 
Yeah. And I think we probably spoke about it at the time, but I think there was a there was a bit in the trailer anyway where he was kind of having this interaction with Emma Stone. And I think he's kind of flirting, but he delivers it in such a robotic way. You're like, why the fuck would Emma Stone ever fall you to bed, mate? Like, it's literally like, no, I was, I can't even remember what it is now. Ah, oh, fuck, I'll have to have a look back in it. Yeah, but, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, with regards to the soundtrack, it does kind of feel really kind of, there's a real 80s feel to it. And um, I also kind of likened it a wee bit, just kind of the opening minute or so to the Ostra song, the beat and the pulse from her album, Feel It Break, which coincidentally was released on the same year uh, back in 2011, which is really fucking good. Yeah. Really, really good. I've heard of it, no? Um, I think... The Beat and the Pulse was featured on the trailer for, I want to say it was an Irvin Welsh adaptation of one of his books. Um, Filth? No, it wasn't Filth. It wasn't as successful as Trainspot and Trainspot and 2 or, or Filth. Um, it could have even been a direct-to-video type of thing. Um it featured the guy that played, oh, fuck. Was it Merry from Lord of the Rings? Okay. It featured him. But, yeah, I'm afraid I can't remember the name name of the song. But, yeah, a really good album uh, and worth checking out. Okay. So yeah. we went off on a bit of a tangent there. But, um, so, yeah, I think... We both think broadcasters are right. I'm mm. interested to hear what what will come next from Squid. So, so yeah, that was broadcaster by Squid. I'm in the tall Okay, what what have you got for me uh, for the next episode then? I have a song called Grey and Blue by Kestrels. Great. Not to be confused with the Kestrels, which <laughs> yes. I think were a backing band for like Donnie Lonigan way back in the late 50s or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was released on the 4th of the 6th, 2020. It's approximately 3 minutes and 44 seconds long. It's the second single from their newest album, Dream or Not Dream, which was released on the 10th of this month um, and comes four years after the release of their self-titled album, Kestrels, which was released in 2016. Unfortunately, I haven't got round to listening to the album yet, um, but if it's if this, this single and their previous offering, Vanishing Point, which was released on the 1st of July, is anything to go by, it's, it's going to be really good. Um I, I just think it's lovely. <laughs> it's just a lovely track. Um, and I really hope you like it, man. Cool. Very, very different. Certainly not as avant-garde as uh, Squid's broadcaster. <laughs> cool. Um, I have... I kind of panicked a little and I was like, oh, I don't have anything. So um, I, I kind of came across this song called Feeling Fine by a band called Dreg. That's D-R-E-G-G. 
Right. Um, are you about to tell me you've heard it? I haven't heard. I've heard of Dreg. Yeah. Because I've listened to their stuff before. I can't think of any of their songs off the top of my head. But yeah, I, I haven't heard that song, but I've definitely heard of the band. Okay. So they're basically a hardcore punk band. The better sort of punk rock and alt rock in it. Not too dissimilar to the likes of Turnstile. So, um, I just think it's a really fun track. I expect you're you'll probably like it, but um, uh, there you go. Let's cool. let's have a listen. Let's have a chat about it. Cool. Look forward to listening to it, man. Okay, so that is Grey and Blue by Kestrels and Feeling Fine by Dreg. Um, all right, let's just move on to the, the new feature then. Um, are you ready for Submission Corner, Grant? I am indeed. Fight! <laughs> okay. It's enough of your shit. Right. <laughs> um, so, anyway, we got a ton of stuff sent us over the course of the last month, so um, I sifted through that and picked a couple of singles I thought it would be worth talking about. Um, so the two um, we're going to talk about are Into the Abyss by Usual Suspects, which is um, spelled with an X, and It Don't Bring Me Down by The Moonlands. Um, I'll just start with Usual Suspects then. So Usual Suspects are described on their own Facebook page as a four-piece indie rock band from Glasgow. Um, Into the Abyss was released on the 24th of April this year. And it's, um, I mean, they say they're an indie rock band, but again, indie never really cover, it never gives you any idea of what it's going to sound like. So what we actually get is a sort of, quite cool, smoky, wistful sort of rock and roll track. Um, and it reminds me a little bit of some of the output of the band, uh, Vast at times, um, who, who've who got a sort of a song called Tattoo of Our Name, which is um, a really cool song about um, murdering a woman's husband um, and then getting double-crossed at the end. It's, it's a really good song, so worth worth checking out, but there's that kind of vibe to it. Um, so the, I was a bit worried when I first listened to this because the, the very first like couple of seconds have got like like quite bad-sounding acoustic guitar riffs coming in. I was like, oh, is this like some crap kind of singer-songwriter stuff? Um, but then you get these layers of fuzzy guitars and a sort of far away echoing vocal and whisp, uh, sort of vocal whispers and, and a sort of sorrowful whistling, uh, whistle tune throughout. So that all kind of layers up and, and that kind of creaky sounding acoustic guitar actually works really well with all of that added. So, um, you know, it's a, a pretty decent track, um, it's just over three and a half minutes long, so it doesn't overstay its welcome. Um, and I mean, there's no real context that I can find for for any of the band's other output at the moment. Uh, not on Spotify, at least. There's just this this one track. Um, so I'd be interested to 
to see if if the rest of the their stuff you know sounds sounds like this like performed out of a smoky cigarette hazed um you know a, like a small you know it sounds like it's been performed in a tiny hazy smoke filled venue so it'd be in, interesting if they've got that kind of vibe from from the rest of their music um what what did you think about it Pretty much the, the same as you, my man. Um, I've kind of ended my notes w- agreeing with you by saying, you know, as you said, previously said, that on their Facebook page, they describe themselves as an indie band. Um, and as with most, if not all, musical genres, this can obviously cover quite a broad spectrum. But I would say that judging by this song, I would say that they're maybe selling themselves a bit short there. Because it's clearly not as straightforward as that. I kind of would say that they probably have a bit more to offer. This song reminded me of something that likes a Roger Waters or Pink Floyd might have released. Okay. In particular, it reminded me of something that you might have heard on the likes of Pink Floyd's 1979 album, The Wall. Um, I felt it was similar, like an atmospheric, um, almost apocalyptic Um in that, you know, you mentioned it kind of feeling quite sorrowful. I would kind of have agreed with that. Um, this might have had something to do with me staring into my phone and listening to it on Spotify at four o'clock in the morning on the night shift <laughs> um, when I wrote these notes. However, to be fair, the album cover or the artwork for the single does include a, a gas mask. So it's maybe a quite a safe assumption to make. Um, who knows? Um, I see that they are playing or they're due to be playing. Um, later on next month, I want to say, somewhere in Glasgow, I believe it's the Amsterdam Bar. All right. From their Facebook page. Um, I don't know if that's something that will go ahead, obviously, with what's happening in the world just now. But, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they come out with in the future. Yeah. Uh, okay. Do you want to give it a rating or are we just... I, I haven't given it a rating. Um, I don't know why. Although, if I was to give it a rating, I'd probably give it probably six, seven out of ten. Yeah, I think I think um, <clears throat> I think a seven for me again is is a pretty fair um rating. Um, okay, so that was Into the Abyss by Usual Suspects. <clears throat> Okay, so the other one we've got is completely different, um, and it's called it it, any more different. <laughs> any more different? No. So it's called "It Don't Bring Me Down" by the Moonlands. So the Moonlands are an Edinburgh-based four-piece, and they play a sort of mixture of folk, funk, and jazz. Um, the single "It Don't Bring Me Down" was released on the fourteenth of July this year. And this is definitely more on the funk and jazz side of their their 
sound um and a much more kind of upbeat sounding track um with the the well i mean the name the name of the track and is is a is a repeated line throughout the song it don't bring me down it's a very positive message um i like I quite like to hear the um, the Scottish twang in the vocal delivery every now and again, which is uh, always nice to hear. So um, there's lots of kind of funky guitar licks and um, you know bass rumbles and drum flourishes, and there's a really cool um, sort of bass breakdown round about the middle part of the song. Um, and it's just a really fun and an energetic song, which I think I think it would be um, quite good to to hear live. I think it would would lift lift the mood of our room. Um, so we we were sent this we were in sort of video form. So um, there's a video which is just kind of people dancing around different locations as yes. different locations in Edinburgh, which. Um, it's quite interesting to see. Um, I don't know if it adds all that much to the song, but um, it's worth watching if you want to see some people dancing. <laughs> Various parts of Edinburgh. Um, and again, I haven't I haven't heard any of the other output from this band, um, but again, I'm I'm quite keen to 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 hear more. Um, it's not this kind of thing isn't particularly my cup of tea um, but I can appreciate it so you know I think it's good um, it's not the thing I would I'd really normally listen to but I think it is a good track yeah I mean I, I would agree um, it's not the type of thing that I, I would normally listen to but you can't help but like it it is a proper earworm if that's even the right phrase um, I, I found myself singing it like just yeah i really have um i've described the song as immediately uplifting captivating um has you jiving away in your chair from the word go it's funky bright breezy you mentioned that bass that's so fucking good man that's it's so good and particularly during that bridge that you kind of mentioned um it really is just such a a a feel good number You, you can't you can't help but feel happy listening to it. Mm. Um, as you said, you know, the video is available on their Facebook page um, and it, it genuinely made me long for Edinburgh. <laughs> like, I, I wanted to go and join and dance about the meadows with them. And I suppose for listeners who don't know Edinburgh, I'm not talking necessarily about a, just a, a random kind of woodland glen or pasture. <laughs> it is an area in 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 uh, Edinburgh. Um they kind of reminded me a wee bit of an American band, which you might have heard of. I listened to them way back in 2009, 2010, but with a lot of bands, I just kind of stopped listening to them. Um, not necessarily because I, I, I uh, not necessarily because I, you know, I fell out of favour with them or anything. I just got distracted with something else. But yeah. it reminds me of a band called the Bright Light Social Hour. Have you ever heard of them? Doesn't doesn't ring a bell, no. They're an American band from Austin, Texas. They've been on the go since probably 2008-2009. And they've got a kind of similar setup, I think, to uh, this band. Um, Similarly kind of funky um, and kind of soulful. 
Um, yeah, uh, it's funny when I was looking at the looking at you know their Facebook page and kind of reading through the the kind of band member list. I noticed that they it consists of four members, by the way, and uh, they describe themselves as the Moon Laddies. And yeah, I thought so that'd, be, <laughs> that'd be quite funny because if they're up for are we? They could call themselves the Moon Loons. <laughs> the Moon Loons, aye. The Moon Loons, which I thought was quite funny. But hey But yeah, I, yeah, I enjoyed it, man. And I would say a, a definite seven, definite seven out of ten for me. And that, yeah. and that's only because it's not normally the type of thing I would listen to. But as I said, you can't help but uh, can't help but like the song, and it certainly gets you up on your feet. And once once you to dance about the meadows and the, or along the the castle palisade. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely, yeah. I think I think a seven out of ten as well for this. So, um, so that was it. Don't bring me down by the moonland. So, if you like, if you think. Either of those tracks sound like your your cup of tea. Go and check out Usual Suspects or The Moonlands and let us know what you think. Let them know what you think. Absolutely. Cool. Okay. Um, shall we just head on to the album reviews then? Yes, we shall. Okay. So we're going to start with an album called Self Surgery by the band Mrs. Piss. Um, so other than having one of the best band names ever, uh, Mrs. Piss um, a collaboration between Chelsea Wolfe and Jess Gowery. Now, Chelsea Wolfe is a sort of is an artist who typically creates sort of drawn out, moody, bleak soundscapes, and it can be a pretty tough listen. Case in point, we were going well. We talked about possibly reviewing our our, our most recent album. Um, but I don't think either of us could really get into it, so we decided to give that a pass. Um, I think Jess Gowery is Chelsea Wolfe's resident drummer, yeah. Um, so, you know, they're, they're used to working together um, anyway. Um, so she also seems to drum with the band Horseneck, who are a sort of they're a super group of sorts um, who do a kind of sludgy, rocky, kind of post-hardcore sound. I've listened to a couple of tracks, not really into it, but um, I'm sure there's lots of people out there who would be. Um, but Mrs. Piss is a completely different proposition from either of those those sort of styles. It's, it's a far more grungy alternative rock kind of sound but but there's there's elements of kind of harsh um sounding black metal kind of aspects infused into that sound as well um it's a much more sort of dirty and and, and deranged kind of of grunge um 
Do you got anything you want to say before just get into some of these tracks? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> As you kind of mentioned, it kind of been a joint collaboration between Chelsea Wolf and Jess Gowrie. Um, I'd read on their Bandcamp website that you know the songs on this album are described as kind of more urgent and visceral than anything either of them have created before. Um, it's certainly different from the last thing that we both listened to um, from Chelsea Wolf, Chelsea Wolf, <laughs> Chelsea Wolf, um, which, as you said, is a kind of 2019 album, Birth of Violence. Um, I really enjoyed the second track and album. The first track, I can't even remember the name of it now off the top of my head, but it's, it's well, a kind of intro type thing, isn't it? It's, yeah, it's called To Crawl Inside, and it's just 43 seconds, but it's just kind of disturbing, weird noises, and um, it ends on <laughs> this sort of creepy refrain, I, I'm bathing in the filth of the world. Yeah. It quite perfectly sets the sort of tone and sound um, to expect from the rest of the record. Aye. Um, I mean, I, I really enjoyed the, the, the second track in the album, which is Downer Surrounded by Uppers, which I yeah. believe featured as one of the singles from the album. Um, I think that was released on the 14th of May. As as you were saying earlier, Sneds, I felt it was dirty, raw. I felt as if it had this almost Distillers, Brody, Dahl-esque feel to it, yeah, okay. uh, which I really dug. <laughs> But, but I felt as if there wasn't that much on the album that really held my interest, if I'm honest. Okay. Um, I was quite disappointed in it. Um, I thought, like I said, that second track showed a lot of promise. However, I felt that by kind of track three knelt, um, it kind of gave way to a bit more of a kind of... I've said melodic. Melodic isn't the right word to use, but certainly more of a restrained offering. Um, certainly felt more grungy, which you said before. I had this kind of bit of doom rock feel to it, sparse yet kind of driving guitar riff. Mm. Distant vocals, which kind of feature throughout the course of the album, I would have said. Um, but I felt as if overall it was a real kind of dip in energy there. Um, track four, you kind of see a return to this this energy somewhat um, there's kind of flourishes where you know things really kind of pick up um, however saying that I did quite enjoy that kind of 80s-esque synth that nobody wants to party with us kind of starts with um, I thought the bits where the two musicians harmonised with each other to be really quite enjoyable too I found that quite cool um, other than that I don't really have much else to say about the album to but to be fair. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, yeah. You took the wind out of my sails a little bit there, Grant. Because, <laughs> Sorry. Because I, I really but like music's it. Music's subjective, man. Yeah. Music's subjective. Absolutely. I mean, talked about the opener, Downer, Sounded by Uppers, and I think the the name of that track perfectly describes the sound of that song. It's just... Yeah. I mean, there's, there's um this really down kind of chorus section and it's surrounded by like a more like um driving intro and 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 that kind of happens either side of this sort of moody section so it just it describes it really well but uh, yeah that that um 
the sort of menacing riff that, that opens that track is just really cool and reminds me of like Nirvana when they're at their hardest. Um, and uh, the, the you know the drumming on this track, I mean the whole the whole album is 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 just thundering um, and hits really hard. Um, and Chelsea Wolf has got a, a kind of certain style of vocal where she just kind of howls. Um, which I really quite enjoy um, and uh, yeah and sort of quite haunting and static laced vocal sound at times um, and um, you know that's how the, the track closes out and it's really quite distressing um, but that kind of haunting sort of vibe is continued into the start of, of the next track Nelt and um, it uh, it kind of has this fuzzed up opening groove that, that, that reminded me a little bit of, um, and, and there's a track called, um, young men dead, which is the opening track from Black Black Angels. Angels 2006 album, the Passover. Um, and it, for some reason it reminded me of that song, but if that song were cursed, um, <laughs> it's, it's just that kind of aspect of it. Um, and that, uh, the song now is just this whole sort of hulking, terrifying monster just kind of creeping along. And it, it's got these really atmospheric guitar sounds and crashing cymbals. And there's a, a particular line that stands out for me, this world's a mess just like my head, which I found just a sort of cool, a cool um, lyric. Um Nobody wants to party with us as a goes a bit sort of nine inch nails in, in the intro. It's got this looping kind of electronic beat, um, and the lyrics are just um, are, 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 are brilliant. It's uh, I think too much, I drink too much, I fuck too hard. Yeah, I got you there, um, and yeah, the lyrics are just basically reasons why no one would want to party with them. Um, and um, there's later on a kind of um a sort of driving beat down section where 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 they howl about my name is shit and there's a kind of uh, a reverent sort of noise rock midsection that ends on this massive drum smash. So and another really good track, the 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 next track M B O T W O. I don't know what it stands for, but it's probably my least favourite. Um and it there's lots to offer on the track, but it just feels like a lot less complete than the other tracks and a bit messy, just throwing a lot of things in there and it just didn't feel as kind of finished or, or polished as, as a lot of the other tracks. Um, I mean, the big highlights for me on this album are, are um, on the track You Took Everything, which has got a kind of lazy slacker intro um, in in the sort of vocals on the the guitar um, and bass, but but it's got a really intensely catchy drive and drum beat that underpins that, and that all bleeds into this kind of um, chorus that retains the sort of slacker vocals, but but underneath that there's this horrific kind of black metal harpy screech. Um, it's just kind of you can hear it screaming and gurgling and acting with this kind of demented backing vocal and 
all the while there's this booming bass sound that underpins that as well and that uh, that moment in particular was just uh, uh, there's just something about it that really hooks me in um, and uh, I mean the title track Self Surgery really bouncy it's got an almost fun bass line for, for uh, an album like this um, but it's you know, covered in layers of fuzz and crust, and and it leads in another really great vocal moment, um, that just builds and builds in intensity into this into and really kind of horrific high pitched screech, and um, yeah, re- really good, and you know, you close out with the song Mrs. Piss, um, which, um. There's another pretty intense drum beat, bending vocal harmonies, and essentially declares that Mrs. Piss is not to be fucked with. Um, don't you fucking look at me. I'm a pistol when I'm loaded. Yeah, in the shit, sank or sank, I'm Mrs. Piss. Um, and yeah, I, I really think this is this is this is pretty good. Um, I should mention that it's 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 not even twenty minutes long. It's it's, it's really short. So to call it an album is probably stretching it a bit, um, but yeah, I I really enjoyed this. Um, it's definitely not going to be, well, it's clearly not for everyone, <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, for me this is this is um a solid eight out of ten. I haven't given it an eight out of ten. <laughs> um, I've I've given it a six out of ten, and and for the reasons I've you know previously mentioned, that I don't think it's bad. Um, as I said before, I just didn't really find that there was really all that much to sink my teeth into. Um, maybe I need to kind of sit with the album a bit longer. I don't know. Um, but as I said, you know that's just my own musical preference. Maybe um, for me, I think if they kept the tempo and the energy up from the second song that I mentioned, you know, the downer string bappers, I might have enjoyed it a bit more. That I suppose that kind of says that that would probably have people think that the rest of the songs are lacklustre, which they're not, because as we said, and as you quite rightly pointed out, there are times where, you know, it really kind of ramps up a gear. But I don't know, I, I just found it difficult to kind of really hook on to anything. Um, in my notes, I've kind of said that I suppose if you're a fan of Chelsea Wolf, it might be in... There we go, I've called her Chelsea Wolf again. That's her new name, Chelsea <laughs> Um I suppose if you're a fan of hers, it might be interesting to see an artist that you enjoy doing something a bit different from her usual shtick. Um, but I think, to be fair, kind of looking back on you know the, the aforementioned 2019 album, Birth of Violence... There's still, you know, she still does that kind of goth, doom rock kind of thing. And, you know, there's probably, there is elements of that there, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, I'm not a big fan of Chelsea Wolf. what I've listened to really. I mean, I've heard the odd, there, there are the odd track that I've heard that I've, that I've really enjoyed. Um, but other stuff I've heard has just been kind of too long form. Um to hold my attention but but this is just i mean i i I love kind of early grunge music and alternative rock and when you mix that with the more extreme elements um yeah it just it just works really well for me um and um you know i don't think i could listen to it 
because of the kind of dirty and kind of horrific kind of sounds that are on there, it's not. I'd probably have to be in a certain place to 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 listen to it, but it's kind of rocky and 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 interesting enough that um, I think a, a, quite a lot of people will be into this. Cool. So, okay, so then that was fairly divisive, but that is um, self surgery by Mrs. Piss. <laughs> Okay, so let's move on to the next album, which is Call in the Crash Team by LYR. Do you want to... I do indeed, sir. I do indeed. So Call in the Crash Team by LYR, I think... Does that stand for anything? I don't know, to be honest. Um, I couldn't find anything online to say that it did. Um. This album was released on the 26th of June this year. It consists of 11 songs and it's approximately 39 minutes and 43 seconds long, so just under 40 minutes. First came across this band after listening to the single Great Coat, which was released on, I believe, the 28th of May this year. Um, and it was, in fact, the fifth single released from the band and the fourth track to feature on the album itself, or fourth track, sorry, fourth single from the album itself. Um, according to their website, the band itself is comprised of author and current British poet laureate Simon Armitage. Armitage? Armitage? Armitage. I think it's probably the way how you pronounce it. Um, and for those of you who aren't aware, as I wasn't, um, it's an honorary position appointed by the British monarch. However, it's currently on the advice of the Prime Minister. The post itself doesn't necessarily hold any specific duties. However, there is an expectation that he or she would write verses for special national events and our celebrations so for example one of the first pieces that he wrote as the poet laureate was a poem entitled conquistadors um to commemorate the 1969 moon landing he also recently wrote a piece called lockdown in response to the current covid19 pandemic which was real later released as a song by the band as one of the singles that i, I previously mentioned the other members of the band include musician Richard Walters, who's played in several different bands over the years, including a band called Thurman. I don't know. I, I don't know if I am familiar with any of his stuff. Um, however, he's largely worked as a solo artist from the early noughties onwards, and I think he's currently signed up to as a big scary monsters. Well, I'm not sure if he is because I, I saw that. <clears throat> no, I think he. I think. He was maybe. I think he's on a, an independent label. Maybe. Well, they are. They are an independent label, but another another label. Because uh, I saw that and I was like, oh, he's label mates with like, like okay. all these some of these artists we've covered, like Gender Rolls and Jamie Lemon and stuff. But um, he didn't seem to be currently on the roster. Ah, uh, right. Okay. Oh well. Um, who else have we got? So we've got him. Um. And another guy by the name of Patrick Pearson, who is a multi-instrumentalist, writer and producer, 
and according to his website, is well known for his alternative keyboard arrangements and left of centre lyrical writing. Um, I really like this album. It's not something I would have listened to, say, maybe 10, 15 years ago, or in fact, really given the time of day. Um, And I find it quite difficult to put on my finger like put my finger on just why I, I enjoy it as much. Um, when I've discussed this album in the past, you know, to uh, kind of people I work with and other folk, um, I've likened it to the likes of Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds Ghostine. Yeah. And although I would say there are similarities between the two records in terms of how evocative and endearing they, they both are, there is something different about this one. Um, and I don't know if you'd agree, Sneds, but I suppose with Ghostine, although we probably previously talked about it being a spoken word piece there is a certain timber in Nick Cave's vocal delivery where I suppose he is kind of singing yes yeah he, he, he is singing and, and this is for the most part spoken word which like you say I probably wouldn't normally bother with I mean I think my only exposure to spoken word um other than some of the awful output from William Shatner, and though he heard his, his cover of Rocket Man, uh, but but it's um, yeah, it's pretty dire. Um, good for a laugh though. But um, the only the only other kind of exposure to spoken word that I've really bothered with is um, uh, Stuart Lee's version of Pea Green Boat, which is like a harrowing retelling of the Owl and the Pussycat. Um, it's a piece of sheer brilliance, but it's just like really dark and and um, difficult to listen to, but um, but excellent. So I've got a little bit of a precedence for that for this through that, but I mean that's a that's one story over the course of a you know a short EP, not a full length um, record. So I mean. I really enjoyed this as well, to be completely honest. There's a mixture of like spoken word poetry, um, which, um, and then there's like sort of ambient and experimental music layered over the top of that, which um, I've, I've recently been listening to an artist called Audio Dope, who right. does kind of kind of um, sort of ambient stuff, which I've really been enjoying. So so. Again, I've had that sort of thing separately, listen to the ambient stuff, but not necessarily alongside the, the spoken word element. But, um, I mean, particularly the the opening track on this just kind of blew me away, to be completely honest with you. Um, the way um, Armitage kind of weaves his words together is nothing short of phenomenal, and I suppose that's what you should really expect from the, the Poet Laureate. Um, yes, I mean, if you'd asked me who the Poet Laureate was, I'd be like, I don't know. Like, uh, I honestly wouldn't have been able to tell you or what they really did. So that's a bit of an aside. But yeah, he's obviously a very um, prolific poet. Um, and I, I don't really pretend to understand much of what he's talking about. Um well, it seems to be the story of you know the first time that that two people met, um, and uh, 
uh, the music that goes along with it is just full of anguish and heartbreak and re- regret and there's like haunting piano and this sort of heartbeat and raindrop percussion and sort of soothing sighs and a memorable line um, did you marry that chump with the fags and the cash and the clapped out ford and the copper's moustache did he ever twig that a barefaced boy had stolen at dusk through the gates of Troy and it's not absolutely impeccable I've I've got that I've got that right here in front of yeah. me now, man. Um, I don't know about you, but yeah, the opening track, the first time for me, it's just great, man. It's I mean, I, I felt it was almost bi- autobiographical in a way. Um, maybe that's just me. I don't know. Um, I found it really relatable. Um, as you said, it kind of feels if it explores these kind of themes of lost love, possibly even a field of fear, certainly jealousy, certainly regret, as you yeah. said. Um, and I just find the, th- the whole thing really evocative um, from the the words that uh, Armitage, you know, pulls together. Um, it would seem as if this the, the kind of female character in the song has kind of seemingly moved on. Um, but he hasn't, by the sounds of things, he still talks about, he's still mouthing, mouthing your name, but mouthing her name yeah. now, 10 years to the day now. Um, yeah, just amazing. <laughs> um, I felt as if the, the second track as well, is it a Zodiac t-shirt? I think yeah. it's called. Um, some truly beautiful moments on it as well. You know, for example, that kind of brief musical interlude around the 30 second mark where you get this kind of sparse piano arrangement and what sounds like a heart monitor operating somewhere in the distance is really quite affecting somehow. Um, Again, I really like the way he emotes and describes like really ordinary things like a fucking ice cream melting on a pavement. You know, I, I think the actual lyrics is an ice cream wept on the steps of the church. Yeah. And I don't know why that stands out. I'm not intelligent enough to know how that works, but it just fucking does. Um, yeah. Um, and I've mentioned, you know, Richard Walters. Um, we kind of mentioned how he provides kind of backing vocals at times. Um However, you know, when I've kind of been writing my notes, I've almost kind of contradicted myself because I think when I first started writing them, I kind of said that, you know, it's really just kind of backing vocals, but they're more powerful than that, to be honest. Yeah, uh, they complement they the music and, and the, 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 the sort of poetry as well. Really, really well, though. Like really well. Like particularly in kind of track number four, "Urban Myth" number ninety-one. That kind of outro, um, where I think he's just kind of repeating this one line: "Move on, move on." Yeah. That, along with the kind of musical composition that goes along with it, just great, man. Like transcendental, almost. Like, um. It certainly brings the song up into uh, you know another level. So similarly, we can kind of track number five, Adam's Apple. Um, I don't know if you'd agree with this, Sneds, but for me, it kind of disp- depicts this picture of someone who's really on edge. You know, it kind of talks about him having having um, I think having a shave. Um, and for me, that one line 
takes takes a blade to his chin, gets close. Yeah, I I wondered if this track was. I mean, it kind of depicts him getting ready for a funeral. Funeral, yeah, that's what I've said as well, or that's yeah. what I've thought anyway. It's two characters, isn't it? It's a male and a female character, I believe, yeah. getting ready to go to a church anyway. I think. I'm wondering in the way the way describes the 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 female character. Um, I wonder if it's her funeral, and he's sort of he's preparing for the funeral when it talks about him being, you know, really thin and gaunt. He puts, you know, the shirt over I can't remember the exact words, but he puts on the shirt over his thin torso and I wonder if, and then he's sort of looking at her getting ready and she's beautiful and majestic and I wonder if it's her funeral that he's, you know, getting ready for. And um, because at first I really didn't understand um, the song at all Um. And I thought, you know, it's just this kind of interesting song that kind of builds to uh, this big crescendo with these haunting organs, eh, organs, yeah. And um, but that's kind of eventually, I think that that's what I kind of got with it because he's he's gone and thin and he's been crying, and um, yeah. everything he's putting on is black, you know, his black suit, his black tie, um, and everything that's described by her is well, she's like playing God with her hair and everything's more vibrant when, when she's described. Um, mm-hmm. So that that was my take take of, of that song in particular. What did you think of the following track, Great Pope? It's product testing, not the next track. Oh, sorry, yeah. It's, the yeah, product testing just... is, is um, just a, a little skip, really, is it? One minute of uh, on off yeah <laughs> seems to work <laughs> yeah yeah um yeah what what would you think a great call um I, I i i like it i just i i found it really difficult kind of what to make of it because it's it's got all these like descriptions of like this rank old coat um and then he you know he says it's a great coat old fella just never asked me to put it on yeah and then he talks about dropping it dropping we he, he, he mentions it dropping you off on the piss soaked steps of the charity shop and um i don't know i don't know quite how to interpret this um maybe it's about sort of leaving the past behind um but um I like the really like the the way it ends, um, where it's got this these kind of driving drums and and vocal loops and and the poetry they all combine together in a really quite sort of danceable way, which sounds odd for, for like saying something spoken word and then it's danceable, but um, but it really is at the end of great. It I've it's it's funny because um, now bear with me, I'm probably totally off the mark. <laughs> um, but the way I've kind of described the song Great Co, it finds uh, Armitage reminiscing about someone who's seemingly deceased um, and this kind of iconic coat, the grey coat that they used to wear, um, and it possessing almost kind of mythical powers and abilities. It kind of talks about, yeah. you know, the, the hand that plucked the buttercup still able to throw a decent uppercut or, or something like that um, 
and he talks as almost of this as if he's in kind of in awe of it or certainly in awe of what it represented it. Um, but he himself wouldn't put it on. Um, and I think his kind of spoken word delivery kind of ends with, now that you're gone, just never ask me to put it on. Looms like a zeppelin, glides like a warship. And it's almost, it kind of put me in mind, this is, this is kind of going to be a bit left field. But it kind of reminded me of, remember that scene in The Fellowship of the Ring, where you've got kind of Gandalf, and I think he gets offered the ring by Frodo, and like Gandalf's like, no way, like, I'm not taking that. It was almost like that. Like, it's too much power. Too much, but this grey coat's too much power. So I took it that he was he was dropping the coat off on the piss-stained steps of the charity shop, but maybe he is talking about the, the well, owner. He's, he, I think he is dropping off the, the coat. I think he's talking to the coat there. Yeah. That makes sense. Aye. But yeah, I mean, like I said, this is the first song and album that I, that I listened to. Um, really enjoyed it. Um, you know, you've got that kind of electronic drum beat that you kind of talk, talked about but um, at the same time you can hear fragments of Armitage's spoken word poetry um, echoing throughout it um, almost as if it's kind of beyond the <laughs> beyond the grave and you know it's an interesting juxtaposition having that going on well this kind of electronic drum beat um, and like you said kind of dancey track uh, going on at the same time but yeah really enjoyable um, I really enjoyed track number eight as well even though it's I suppose I wouldn't say similarly as bleak certainly the I suppose the kind of lyrical content if you can call it that is quite bleak for me again I could be totally off the mark but it depicts finding someone who's hung themselves whilst I believe he says it's Diamond Dogs on vinyl which is a David Bowie album plays in the background Um, and Armitage Armitage sorry makes a comparison between I believe the stylus of the record player and the noose that the persons made to to kill themselves. Yeah, I think <clears throat> I think he. It's almost like he, he just describes the kind of interaction and movements of the record player and its needle, yes. rather than anything else. But he somehow manages to kind of evoke all this emotion and drama, and the sort of spectre of this person having hung themselves simply by, by doing that, which is really, really quite impressive. Um, Just interest. See his, see his, so it's called 33 and a third. Yeah. yeah. So records are played at 45 RPM. And is it 33? Yeah, yeah. So, so a single, single, single is 35 RPM. A single would be played yeah, at thirty. Single singles played at forty-five, and a long play is played at thirty-three and a third. Oh well, fuck! That explains it then. Yeah, I got the two mixed mixed up in my so head. It's called thirty-three and a third. Um, and I read some stuff about it possibly being based on um, Ian Curtis, who was found hand 
um, while the final moments of Iggy Pop's The Idiot played out on repeat. Um, so there's a suggestion that that was um, the inspiration for that track. Um, and in fact, the the crackling record sound that's on that track is from a Joy Division record. Um, it's like the run-out strip from a, uh, a, a particular Joy Division record, which for some reason I haven't written the name of down, but... Um, Apparently it is. <laughs> That's quite interesting. Did you read, did you manage to find quite a lot of stuff about the album online? I found, I think it was on their own website. There was a th- there was a sort of statement, a sort of um, press release almost. Um, right. Which I, didn't, which I didn't dive into too deeply, but that was one of the things that I picked out for, for that song in particular. I, could, I, I really just looked at their... I really just looked at their website as well and looked at the kind of about page um, to get a feel for, you know, what the band consisted of and the band members. And then, like, it seemed as if, you know, the rest were just kind of almost like reviews, you know. So I I didn't really read that much, to be honest, because obviously I wanted to kind of take it, I wanted to take it at face value. I wanted to um, make make my own mind up. Um, so what did you think of the rest of the, the album um, so I mean we skipped over we skipped over Never Good With Horses oh uh, yeah that was a single that was one of the singles was it? yeah and I think again I don't again I don't really know what it's about but it's got a sort of quite childlike quality and uh, you know the sort of shuffling drum beat really charming piano lines and it's just you know, these lines, and you were never good with horses, were you, my dear? Always took a step backwards when they came near. And um, I mean, maybe it's, I don't know if it's about social anxiety or, or even autism or or something like that, where you, where you're, because it talks about the preferring the sort of intricacies of, of and study of things in life as opposed to potentially experience sing them which perhaps is sort of you were never good with horses thing but you know again that's me just kind of guessing really but what does it say again it's there's quite a good line it's like you were never good with horses were you my dear you couldn't face to stand in the is it the dark rock pool of their eyes or something yeah yeah something like that it's just 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 so vivid um i the descriptions um so yeah i mean all, all of the songs on here are are very good. Um, I mean, product testing is a bit of a throwaway, but it, it almost feels like it needs to be there because you've got Adam's Apple and then Great Coat, which um, and then Thirty Three and a Third, and they're probably all fairly bleak. Yeah. So having product testing in between Adam's Apple and Great Coat is probably you know just a little sort of bit of fun. Um, probably helps lighten the mood a little bit. Um, yeah. Uh, and you know, one of one of the one of my favourite songs I think is actually the Quick Brown Fox, particularly just because of how weird the subject matter of the song is. It's just yeah. describing this website uh, dedicated to collectible ephemera of a throwaway nature. Yeah. Um, which includes bottle tops, vintage erasers, 
and small animals, including a grumpy rhinoceros. Um, yeah, there's a bit that I quite like because he talks about is it toy soldiers that have been melted into the shape of letters that reads out the quick brown fox jumps over the lazy dog. Yeah. And then I think he goes on to deliver more of his kind of spoken word, and it must be Richard Walters just starts singing the quick brown fox jumps over the lazy dog. And I'm laughing, but it's, it's good. So good, yeah. And um, it's the bit where um, he suggests that the creator of the website has decided to abandon the website for a big money contract with uh, within an expanding economy or perhaps as a loat with a giant. So it's like yeah, it's a bit nonsense, but it's just, again, it's just the way the words are put together and the kind of, yeah. I quite like how you just list it, like, because I think it ends with him saying, um, since you left, I've came up with my own list or something. And yeah. it's, it's, I can't remember what it starts off with, but I think Angel Turds kind of makes it somewhere into the <laughs> list. Um, where I stand in your affections as expressed in metric weight um, and a few other things. For me, it kind of felt as if it was someone lost, kind of looking for direction, trying to find a kind of hobby, fill the void of a lost relationship type thing. Um, maybe I'm reading a bit too much into it. Um, but certainly, as you said, like kind of Armitage's kind of wordplay, yeah, I, is that science? I, I really, I really don't know. I suppose it's it's not science, but it's as we said earlier on. You know that that um, that lyric um, that I pointed out in the second track. You know where he's, he's just saying. You know, an ice ice cream wept on the steps of the church. It's just, you know, there, there's loads of wee snippets like that throughout the course of the album, and I I, I don't know what it is. I, I that's why it's the poet laureate, as you said. Clever, clever ways of describing the mundane. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but there, and there's and you know with humour as well, which I think <clears throat> stops this from kind of going up its own arse, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Like, because, you know, poetry can, can be a load of wank um, at, at times. So the fact that it's clever and dark and humorous all kind of, you know, just it just adds to, to how, how good it all is rather than it just being this kind of, oh, it's 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 a spoken... I mean, if you, if you went to someone, oh, listen to this, it's a spoken word album with ambient music Sneds I, I have and uh, I was shot down almost immediately yeah um, I probably would have shot you down if you suggested that to me 10 years ago like, oh absolutely well it's the same you know we said the same thing about Ghostine like I would not have given either album the time of day back then um, and I don't know what that is I suppose your you know your taste in music changes as, as you get older Um but yeah, I remember actually letting listen. I let uh, one of the guys I work with listen to it on one of our breaks, <laughs> and he was like, "That that's not music, mate. <laughs> that's the music." I'm like, mm, "Well, it is. It's just different." Um, yeah, he wasn't. Don't like things that are different, Grant. What's that? People don't like things that are different. No, they don't. They don't. <laughs> um, so. Well, 
I, I enjoyed it. Very much enjoyed it. Um, so, I found it similarly as affecting, um, emotional and endearing as Ghostine, which probably gives you a good idea of where I've rated it. <laughs> or how I've rated it, rather. Yeah, okay. Well, just just get it out of the way, then. Just get, I'm, I'm very tempted to give this a 10 out of 10, man, is, is what I'm going to say. I, I've been... At the moment, I'm sitting here with a 9 out of 10, but I've been, you know, in the back of my mind going, you know, like, can I, can I give this a 10? Because it's like, it's really why, fucking good, man. Why not? Yeah, why not? It's it's really good, so, you know, fuck it. It's going in. It's going it's got in. the fucking gold buzzer. <laughs> are you going to get an actual gold buzzer? For, Possibly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Should we get confetti as well for when we're yeah, back? Streamers and shit, party hats and all that jazz. Yeah. No, but I d- definitely, I don't think you can give it anything less than that, man. To be honest, there's, n- yeah. there's, it's, it's definitely not going to be for everybody, um, as we've just quite rightly pointed out. Um, but yeah, um, again. It, you know, it was, as I said, similarly as affecting as Ghostine. I could feel myself listening to the likes of kind of great quote, certainly the first time, and yeah, welling up. Um, yeah. There's not many albums or many songs that are able to do that, I don't think. I mean, I, I didn't quite get uh, the as emotionally affected by this as I did by Ghostine, but certainly the the depth and um kind of i you know i was still drawn in by it um so yeah it's 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 brilliant absolutely brilliant okay so that was call in the crash team by lyr call it the first time call it the last time Indicate and pull over Just here on the hard shoulder Dropping you off On the piss-stained steps Of the charity shop And a third Neckties Antique bookmarks Matchbox labels What do you want to go on to next? It'd be Foxjaw, wouldn't it? Yeah, let's do Foxjaw um, Do you want to run on this one? Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, I'll go with it. Okay, so this is Royal Swan by Foxjaw. Um, our band described on their own Bandcamp page as Bristol-based noisemakers and brain shakers, um, which is, I think, a pretty apt description because they make sure. a fair old racket and can get pretty crushingly heavy when they want to. Um, the album was released on the 3rd of July, 2020. It's 11 tracks long and just over 45 minutes. Um, so I've been following Foxjaw for a wee while now, um, basically ever since I heard the single Triceratops from their their first EP, which is called Goodbye Dinosaur. Um, it's an absolute brute of a track with with 
with a sort of monstrous main riff and these delightfully off-kilter vocals and harmonies. And, you know, to be honest, anything heavy that references dinosaurs is always going to pique my interest. <laughs> and that, that EP is really quite excellent. Um, and it, in fact, made the list of my 10 favourite EPs of 2018, which you can have uh, a look at over on the website if you're interested. Um I suppose they're a sort of mixture of post-hardcore and grunge, and there's like there's a bit of brand new and Nirvana on there, and maybe some early era Rubin as well. And um, there's just a ton of like variety and, and and weirdness to their their style. It's it's you know it's quite different from most other bands out there. Um, we followed up that EP, Goodbye Dinosaur, with our second EP, A Playground for Sad Adults, um, last year. And that kind of upped the complexity and the weirdness um, with the the likes of um, the incredible Melt Your, Melt Your Face of Wax or the, the moody, creeping behemoth of a closer, The Curse of the Button Man. Um, so for me, Royal Swan really lives up to the promise of those those EPs. Um, I mean, it's... I've said here it's more of the same, really, and normally that would be a criticism, but when more of the same is just more weirdness and surprise and crushing heaviness and refreshing inventiveness, then it's definitely not a criticism. Um, I don't think you'd knew anything of Fox Shaw previous i i i didn't know um it certainly wasn't what i was expecting at all um and I, I don't really know why um even after listening to the third single from the album which was you can't drink a unicorn's blood uh which was released on the 12th um of june this year which i think is maybe kind of track number four or five maybe four on the album is it track three yeah, I think so. Is it? Um, wrong, but... I thought, for some reason, I don't know why, I thought it was just going to be another straight-up heavy metal album. Um, but as you said, that's not necessarily the case. Although there, el- there are elements of that in there, I think their overall sound is much more complex, textured, and again, difficult to really categorise. You've got those screams, those guttural howls, distorted and off-kilter vocals that you can you mentioned that you would expect from a heavy metal band, um, punishing guitar riffs. Um, but there's times where I was kind of, you know, listening to this album where I was kind of reminded of that kind of post-punk, almost kind of new romantic bands um, from the 80s. And I think, I think that's purely from the lead singer... Um, the lead singer's vocals, which I really enjoyed, really enjoyed. Um, that was one of the kind of standout elements of the album for me. Um, that's not to take away from from the rest of it, but you know, particularly in the likes of the third song, well, I've written the third song of the album, Triple uh, A, um, which reminded me of something that Cooper might have released. Um, I also found it to be at points. You know, forgive me for saying this, but it it, it could you could be forgiven for thinking it was quite poppy, um, and that's not I don't mean that in a bad way. You know what I mean? I just found it really refreshing. 
And I think that, you know, there's points of that peppered throughout the course of the album that makes it a really enjoyable experience. You genuinely don't know what you're going to get next. As you said, it's really quite surprising. Yeah. I'm getting confused with the track numbers here. Sorry, I've, kind of, that's probably I've, skipped over, I've skipped over the, the, the intro track because it's just, you know, it's a sort of short in, instrumental to set the mood. So yeah. I'm not, I wasn't counting it. So you, so you are right. Um, with the track numbering so Sorry. I mean even from you know after that instrumental track you've got the opener trophies in the attic and it's like it's just all into these quite intricate guitar picking sort of sweeping guitar sounds and like you say that that, that vocal style which is just incredibly infectious and yeah. um, but then it's got like it descends at this these booming riffs and like stab, stabbing guitar lick um with them that's followed up by sort of doom laden gurgling guitar sounds and, a, and like a punishing breakdown later in the track so there's like like you say the vocals are 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 relatively poppy in places and then you've got just these absolutely crushing riffs and um I mean Trophies in the Attic as the first proper song is a properly amazing opener. Oh, and um Triple A, like you said, it was a previous single, so was you, Drink a Unicorn's Blood, um, Half House and Teething, I think are all the those are all the singles. So they kind of reel off in one after the other. And it's a really strong um lineup of of tracks. I mean Triple A, like you say, has got a sort of crooning verse, which is maybe where you're getting the kind of because it's more like a bit more like modern, um, like what I say, modern creeper, but I mean recent creeper. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's just got lots of really catchy mel- melody and, and um, uh, vocal harmonies, but that's before it even gets to the the chorus on that song. Um, I mean, you you drink a unicorn's blood is just a, an absolute belter with with a sort of moody, quiet verse that leads into this massive hulking chorus, and um, it's got this huge sort of post-chorus scream of "You don't drink a unicorn's blood," followed by this massive beatdown and a really intense kind of cascade, cascading guitar lick, and um, it's so cool. There, there's just. Um, and there's like a sort of driving jam session in there somewhere before like a sort of, a sort of calming instrumental as a as a, a cool off period before heading into that massive beatdown section again. Um, Half House is pretty much just a straight up banger. Um, as uh, close to as close to Fox got Fox Jaw get to, to having a straight up banger, and um. Really, really catchy, and I found myself more than anything else walking around singing "We're Living in a Half House" to wait myself just all yeah. the time. Yeah, well, that bit, and then I couldn't quite catch what they say afterwards, but I'll, certainly I'm be like "Living in a Half House," and then nah, 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 nah. <laughs> yeah, I I just sing that first really bit cool. over and over to myself, and I, I for some reason that's that's the one. Bit, that's the the vocal bit on the, the the album that's become the earworm for me. Um, but um, and and when I first heard Half House, I was like, yeah, it's it's all right. But the more I've heard it, it's just like it's just a, a continuous banger. It's so good. Um, 
In fact, you've then got Infinite Badness, which is... That, that's an earworm for me, man. That's yeah. the one that I've, I've found myself singing um, the most, singing to myself the most. Um, and I would say, I've kind of described it as probably the most melodic track in the album. I don't know if yeah. you'd agree with that. Yeah, perhaps. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, and then there's Teething, um, which was the last single um, that, that came out before the album dropped. And I, I really like that um, combination of the drums and the bass and the intro to that song. Um, it's probably got one of the most radio-friendly sort of sounds to it. Um and there's there's uh, there's a cheeky little Pixies esque squealing guitar lick that that makes its way in there as well, um, and a kind of um, <laughs> there's a good line that um, basically says uh, racing around like a wacky racer, which is just going to be it's quite absurd, <laughs> but delightfully so. Um, I think another standout moment for me is um, on is uh, kind of the intro to Bats for Bleeding. Um, it's got this kind of spooky organ intro and kind of reminds me of like an old episode of The Monsters or something like that. Yeah. And, and it's got like the, the the guitar lick that follows that is just like, uh, I don't know how you describe it, but um, I'm trying to think of the word. Um, I can't think of a word, but it's fucking awesome. Um and it's one of the, my favourite moments on the album, and it's then followed by this kind of monster mash kind of vocal style in the in the verse. And I think that that reminds me a little bit of um, Creeper and this sort of new romantic kind of um, doo-woppy kind of vibe as well. Um, yeah. Um, and then it, it kind of it all slams back into that massive riff with the, with the lyric "They torture me still," and it, it oh, it's I can't describe how good that that riff is. It's just um, it's one of the best moments on the album for me, and it probably doesn't get used enough. Um, but um, I just love it. Um, I think the the monk is probably the only track that I'm not too hot on. I, there's, there's parts of it I do like. There's a good. There's a really sort of hardcore riff on there, um, but. I'm not that bothered about the rest of the song. So, you know, when that riff comes back in, it's good, but it's the most forgettable track, um, to be honest. And then the closing song, Royal Swan, is a pretty epic seven minutes. Um, and, you know, it's got, again, like like every song on this album, really catchy riffs, huge heavy moments, huge melodic moments. Um, the the vocal moment around the two minute or just shy the three minute mark is uh, the line. So where can I be proud for the pilots who died in plummeting hurricanes? And it's not really the lyrics. It's just the, the melody and um, the way they're sung. And I can say that for a lot of the lyrics here. Cause I, I mean, I think a lot of it doesn't really make sense. It's just kind of cool words linked together um, and maybe difficult to interpret, but um, it's the it's the way they're delivered, and the melody that they're they're that they're delivered over that 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 make it so interesting. 
Um, I mean, there's lines like, and nobody wants a pharmacy car boot sale where they ground down narwhal tusks to magic dust. I mean... Yeah, and I think on, like, well, the the first or second track, whichever way you want to look at it, trophies in the attic, I, I think, is he talking about collecting pebbles or something like that? Or some, something going awry and... I think the next lyric is, but at least I've got an ice cream. For us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Something like that. The lyrics are just kind of absurd, but um, they're, you know, they're cool. They're cool to listen to. Um, I, I did, I did read an interview. I can't even remember where, where it was from now, um, which is quite bad. Um, if I find it, I'll, I'll send you the link. Yeah. Um, Cause it's a, a kind of similar website to the kind of head scratcher. Um, and they've they actually conducted an interview with the band, but apparently it does explore themes of um, national pride and stuff like that. So that's maybe where some of the stuff is coming from um, on the likes of Royal Swan. Mm. I certainly never got any of that listening to this album, but that nevertheless, you know, didn't make it any less enjoyable. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've said loads of times before that it doesn't necessarily matter. Um, I mean, I'm, I know we've talked, we pick out a lot of lyrics and we've talked about a lot of lyrics on some of the other albums, but, you know, I'm not really a lyrics guy. Mm. It's more about the instrumental parts and the the the, the, vel- the melodies of the vocals that, that hook me in. And a lot of times, you know, even some of my favourite songs, I don't actually know what the words are. I just know what the melodies are, you know? Yeah. So, and I can, you know, I can sing you, I say sing, I can sing you a guitar solo or like a riff from songs, but I can't tell you what any of the words are. You know, it's just, yeah. the, it's just the way it works for me. Yeah. So, how would you rate this album then? Uh, I've given it a nine out of ten. I, I think it's. Um, I mean, this this kind of thing is what I'm all about. Like, like heaviness and melody is just that's my thing. So this, I think, this is an excellent album. And okay, there's, I I'll, I'll there's there's basically one song that I'm not all that into and the rest of them, you know, I think it's a great album. See, see, for me, I, I've said it's a very strong 9 out of 10. I've even said possibly even a 10 out of 10. Um, I don't know if that's a bold statement or not, but there's so much, to, I've said, you know, there's so much to like with this album with very little, if any, drawbacks, certainly none that I can really think of off the top of my head. Obviously, you kind of mentioned the, the second last, the penultimate track on the album, Monk. Um, but I've said that I think there's genuinely something for everybody. There's something for everybody to enjoy on this album, kind of no matter what your musical leans might be. Um, it manages to be very broad without kind of losing direction or compromising on quality. I would say that every song maybe with the exception of Monk, kind of hits its mark. Um, there's certainly something to enjoy, there's certainly something to kind of sink your teeth into in each of these songs. I've said, and I don't know again if you think this is a, a bold statement, but I've said it's basically flawless. 
I don't know. I, 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 I don't have a lot of criticisms for this album at all. And that's, I kind of feel bad about singling the monk out, but it is the song that I, I, I'm not bothered about. Yeah. The rest of them, I'm happy to, you know, keep going back to them, but I'd, I'd easily skip over the monk. Uh-huh. But, I mean, amongst these songs, it, it, it fits, but it, it, it feels like a, a sort of weak point on the album. So, it, I can't, I think, I would I would, I would absolutely love to give this a 10 out of 10. I would absolutely love to do it, but I feel perhaps disingenuous doing so, given my criticism of that song. No, that's fair enough, man. But I, um, think, I think it is an absolutely phenomenal album. Um, I've said, and I don't know if you would agree with this, um, there were elements probably towards the kind of latter end of the album where it kind of reminded me a bit of Bat's alter nature. I think that's yeah. to do with the kind of unusual kind of time signatures and uh, the kind of sounds that they're able to create with this. But as you know, I wasn't a massive fan of Bat's alter nature, whereas I kind of much prefer this. But there, uh, there's definite similarities there, I think. I haven't, I haven't really thought about it, but, but there, there absolutely is an... I mean, I I was all over that Bats album, um, so it's it's I suppose maybe a little surprising that you're more into this, but I guess that's the strength of the strength of what they're doing. Maybe Bats is a little more. Is it more extreme? I don't know. I don't know. I'm not too sure. I don't know. I don't know. I'd have to go back and listen to yeah. and compare the two. But yeah, de- definitely strong nine out of ten. Then, yeah, really. I mean, and again, this is this is a debut album, so you know, for a debut, it's phenomenal. And they're both their EPs prior to this are are excellent as well. So they've got a really a really strong set of songs now. So this is a band that I've been wanting to see live for for quite a long time. So be exciting once um, that's actually possible. Um, so uh, looking forward to that. So that was um, Royal Swan, the debut album from Foxjaw. Okay, last one then. Do you want me to do this one, man? Go for it. Cool. Um, So the next album that we are going to review, or next EP, I suppose, that we're going to review, is Five Songs by Dits. It was released on the 3rd of July this year under the label Alcopop Explanation Mark Records. Um, As the name suggests, it consists of five songs. Who would have thunk it? And it's approximately 11 minutes long, so much like Rotten Out's 
Ronin. It's over in the blink of an eye, with most of the tracks lasting just over the kind of two minutes, 30 seconds mark. I think the longest song, song on the EP is the third track, Total 90, which lasts approximately two minutes, 44 minutes. Uh, the record itself was released on a luxuriant pink or black 12-inch vinyl. It's available for 12 quid or thereabouts on the record label's website. Um, I believe the release is only limited to about 500 records, so if you want one, you'll probably have to get over there fast. Something tells me that they're probably going to go quite quickly. It's the band's second EP following the release of EP1, uh, which was released in 2016. They're a London-based quintet. Done it again, man. Done it. Is it a quintet? Are, I got... are they not from Brighton? Oh, fuck, Maybe. I don't know. Let me check that. I, I read London. Maybe. I might have written that down wrong. Anyway, go on. Oh, sorry. Right. They're, they're English. <laughs> <laughs> um, the band itself consists of members Carl Francis on vocals, Anton Mocock and Jack Licker on guitar, Caleb Remnant on bass, and lastly, Sam on drums. Drums. Yeah, they're from Brighton, you fool. Ah, my geography's shit. Where, where's Brighton in relation to London? I don't know. Is it not on the coast? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, sorry, my geography of, of England is poor. I mean, my geography of Scotland is poor, to be fair. Uh, <laughs> my geography overall is fucking yeah. poor. Like, uh, uh, as an aside... I remember going away on holiday one year to Spain, coming back. I think we were in primary school, and the teacher got me to point to a kind of map of the world on where I'd been for my holidays in front of the whole class, and I'm pretty sure I pointed to fucking Africa. So that gives you an idea of what my geography is like. Apologies for that. Um, so, yeah, they've previously been described as being heavily influenced by the likes of the hardcore punk and noise rock scene of the 80s and 90s. They've garnered a following for their energetic and erratic live shows. EP consists of the band's late single, Role Model, as well as the previous releases, Seeking Arrangement, Gay Boy, Total 90, and also a limited edition cover of Peach's hit single, Fuck the Pain Away. Um, it opens with 2018 Seeking Arrangement, opens with this kind of unsettling, jolting and jerking guitar, which is accompanied with this refrained and controlled vocals from the lead vocalist until it bursts into the main body of the song around the kind of 25 second mark, so fairly early on in the song. And it's just this, just another kind of perfect example of that kind of old, loud, quiet, loud dynamic that we often kind of speak about within the podcast. And it's executed to kind of what I've described as devastating effect um, and a brilliant way to kind of start the EP. I don't know how you, what you thought of the first track there. Yeah, I really like Seeking Arrangement. Um, it starts on, a, starts on a high. That... Um, the chorus is an absolute belter where he's singing you take me for granted I don't want a special friend I just want to be romanced and yeah, um, yeah that, that's a really good opener um, uh, there's a good contrast between the sort of ag- aggressive vocals early in the chorus followed by kind of more slacker orientated vocals towards the end so yeah uh, 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 a strong opener definitely 
Um, the second track, Gay Boy, as we mentioned, kind of opens with this almost kind of dirty sounding guitar riff, or how I've, you know, what I've described as a kind of dirty sounding guitar riff. Then there's a return of that similarly unnerving spike, so that kind of lead guitar. Um, from what I've read, the song is a commentary on homophobia and bigotry. Okay. Um, in an article that I read on a website from, oh, <laughs> I said, oh, so young. <laughs> it's so young magazine. Um, and, you know, we can post the link as well. The lead singer, Carl Francis, is quoted in saying that the song is about the irony of the anger of bigotry. Nothing makes me angrier than bigots, but bigots only exist because they're angry. Lyrics themselves include kind of tell me, does it make you feel good that you're bad? Does it make you feel anything more than a man? You can be angry while I can, while I can too. I've got plenty more reasons to be angrier than you. Um, and that chorus... It's really fucking good. You know, he's just screaming, the price I pay, the price I pay, the price I pay for being this way. And then it's just this kind of followed by this kind of guttural howl, if you could even call it that. I don't know where he's kind of almost this kind of maniacal laugh, as it were. That aha, aha, aha. Really got to me, man. And yeah, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I didn't kind of read into the context of that song that much. And uh, I found it was a little bit of a dip following how much I enjoyed the first track. But right. it's, it's a decent song. And it, it kind of reminded me of um, sort of an Idols track in in the sort of the sort of stomp of the drums and the, the grunt of the bass. It, it, it kind of reminded me of them. Um, I think Idols are, are kind of contemporary of this, this yeah. band anyway. Um, but... It's a decent song, but I think after the kind of, I think I just enjoyed the chorus on that previous track so much that um, that Gay Boy was a, a little bit of a dip um, after that. Cool. Um, what did you make of track three, Total Ninety? Quite like it. It opens with like powerful drum beat, and there's like a pretty hooky sort of pre-chorus section before it just charges into this really antagonising kick-offness chorus. Um, as a particular highlight uh, later on the track is where it, it builds with um, the repeated line of your eyes and he just says your eyes, your eyes, your eyes, your eyes, your eyes, your eyes and then he screams are dead and it's like I mean I don't obviously don't do it, do it justice there but but it, it's a really powerful moment when, when it's, yeah, you're right, man. Um, I just sounded like a bit of a fanny um doing that but on the song I, I promise you it's quite good it, it works well on the song um, and the notes that I've got here um, apparently from what I've read um, I never got this necessarily from the lyrical content um, as we said before and we say time and time again it's kind of difficult to decipher lyrics at times but from what I've read this this um, this song kind of further explores those same themes as kind of in Gay Boy, or certainly the videos aimed to highlight discrimination and inequality that exists within football today, and sees the band face off against another team of musicians consisting of the likes of Laurie Vincent, um, who's one part of the band Slaves, and members of FUR. Uh, the band are purportedly wearing Entrechumps. FC's football versus homophobia rainbow coloured kit in the video as well it's quite cool, quite a cool video to watch um, saying that 
Um, I found the fourth track, Role Model, which, as we said, is the kind of band's latest offering. For my money, probably sounds most like a Sleeves song. Uh, again, there are other contemporaries and obviously friends of the band um, having been in the, the the video that I just mentioned. Yeah. Um, but it certainly reminds me of something that you might have heard on the Sleeves debut album, Are You Satisfied? Um, really good. Uh, I find that really enjoyable. Yeah, I'm, I'm really not... I mean, I know I know all the slaves, but I'm really not familiar with their music. But Role Model, um, that's the first track that I heard from Dits um, way back in April. Um, and, yeah, I kind of immediately sort of jumped on that. It's got this really sinister guitar picking and, and clicking drum sticks in the intro before, like a really punishing riff and wall of sound um, and, and gruff vocal shouts. It's, it's like... Um, it's almost like a hardcore punk track, yeah. And it's yeah, it's one of the one of the best songs um, alongside the first track um, on the EP for me. Um, and as we said, the kind of EP closes with the aforementioned limited edition cover of Peaches, "Fuck the Pain Away," um, which I would have said is pretty much a straight cover. Um, yeah, except I guess the original is more. It's maybe a bit more kind of electronic sound. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was trying to think. It's less. There's not really. It's not real instruments, really. I guess. Yeah. Um, I mean, "Fuck the Pain Away" is a great song, uh, like a really great song. <laughs> and this is, like you say, a fairly straight up cover, which is nice. Um, but you know, I'd prefer to listen to the original. Um, the, right. the vocals, the, the vocals just don't seem quite as effective um, for me on this version than than the original. Um, and the best parts for me are when when the actual screams come in, um, rather than <clears throat> the sung vocals and or spoken vocals, I suppose. And I, I think I'd actually preferred it if they just turned it in a full on hardcore punk version rather than. You know, a straight up, an almost straight up cover. I think that would be more, more interesting. But yeah. it's, 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 cool it's on there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I enjoyed it, but I, I can kind of see where you're coming from. There, there's times where I, when I was listening to it, I kind of felt as if like the lead singer almost lost interest. Like, <laughs> he's kind of his lyrics kind of trailed off. But what I've written about this song was. There's the, there's elements. I think it maybe happens about three or four times in the, the song where they just deliver this cacophony, this kind of wall of noise. Yeah. And listen to it, you actually feel as if you're ready to get fucking sucked out of the room. Like <laughs> I don't know if you like getting trapped in like an airlock and fucking aliens or something for me. Um and it was pretty effective, man. I enjoyed it. Um have you got anything else to say about the EP or no, 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 really. Um, uh, I think I've covered most of what I wanted to say about it. I think I think it's a a a, a really good EP and shows shows a lot of promise. How have you rated it, sir? I've gone I've gone for a seven out of ten. So mm. I think there's I think um there's a couple of really strong songs on it, and then. There's there's strong elements in in the other songs, um, so a, a, a seven is is what I'm going with. 
Okay. I have given it a nine. Yeah, okay. uh, yeah I, I really enjoyed it. Obviously, you know, as we kind of mentioned, you know, it, they're obviously heavily influenced by, you know, the kind of punk scene, post-punk scene. I don't know. Um, it feels really punky to me. It's kind of right up my street. Um, and for that reason, that's why I've, I've given it um, a ten. really dug it. Uh, I think it'd be interesting to see what they come out with in the future. Um, I'd quite like to get a chance to see what they're like, actually. You know, I mean, given what we've kind of read about their kind of live shows, um, it'd be good to see what what's actually like experiencing it, experience it for myself. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think uh, the the chorus on "Seeking Arrangement" would be a lot of fun, a lot of fun to sing along to. Us us old fogies trying to dance it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll just it's, the same, it's the same with fucking Ro, uh, Ronan's Rotten Out Man. Like, you want to just maybe not so much with this, but certainly with Ronan Rotten Out, you just want to get up there and fuck shit up. But once you're in your 30s, you know, you immediately just get like your nose <laughs> or something. Gla- glasses would be off yeah. immediately. <laughs> um, do your hip in. Or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Be out of action for a month. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right. Well, that's um, a pretty good EP. Uh, so it's five songs EP by Dits. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, that's, uh, that's it. That's us. That's us. Um, I'll just do the... Put my tie on and do the formal outro. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that's the end of the 10th episode of the Scratchcast. Thanks for listening. We hope you've enjoyed our rambling chat, but also that you take the time to check out some of the music we've covered and perhaps fall in love with a new band or two. Um, please do get in touch. We'd love to hear your thoughts on what we've covered and indeed your suggestions for what to cover in the future. And as mentioned earlier, also send us your music and we'll consider reviewing it on Submission Corner in the next episode. Um, you can send us submissions to the headscratcher outlook.com or on the DMs at Facebook and Instagram. Also, don't forget to subscribe to the Scratchcast on Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And please leave us a nice review as it helps spread the word about our humble show. Remember, the Scratchcast is the official podcast of the Head Scratcher, the alternative pop culture guide. So you can also visit us at theheadscratcher.com where we post pop culture reviews, recommendations, all previous episodes of the podcast, and our monthly alternative music playlist. July's playlist will be up by the time this episode goes out so keep an eye out 
for that. And June's playlist was one of our best yet. Some of my choice cuts are Done With Drugs by The Dirty Nil, Disco by Hank Von Hell, and Just by Run The Jewels. Finally, you can also visit us on Facebook and Instagram at Head Scratcher, on Twitter at Scratcher Head, and on YouTube where you'll find the podcast episodes split down into more manageable and delicious bite-sized chunks. Um, we've also recently added all of those to Facebook Facebook, Facebook Watch, almost, almost. <laughs> we've also, we've also recently added all of those videos to Facebook Watch too. And um, so, if you can't be arsed switching from Facebook to to YouTube, you don't have to. Um, okay, so thanks again. Please tell your friends, your colleagues, your parents, and your pets. We'll catch you next month on episode eleven. Stay safe. Should he buy? <laughs>